This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I want to jump right in because there's a lot I want to cover this morning and I want an opportunity to let the God of Miracles do what he does later on. Um, just to recap last week, uh, we're, we're covering about seven or maybe eight keys, we'll see how far I go, um, of how to cultivate a culture of expected miracles. And last week we talked, I only got to two, uh, but the importance of recalling your positioning as a child of God and how important that is in walking in the miraculous. And when we understand who we are, it, it gives us that authority and understanding and how to walk in that. And also number two, key number two was removing doubt and fear. Uh, but this morning... Uh, I want to start with uh, probably the most revolutionary teaching that I've ever heard. Um, that, that once it got soaked into me, I just the miraculous just started flowing like that, and it was hard to stop it. It just kept going. And uh, point number three I want to get to this morning is called "Remember the Testimony." Remember the testimony. There's a verse in Revelation that I want everybody in this house to memorize by the end of this day, because it'll change your life. It's Revelation 19.10. It says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What's the testimony of Jesus? It's anything that he's done in his word. It's anything that's written in the Bible that Jesus has done. More than that, it's anything that Jesus has done in my life. It's anything that Jesus has done in your life. It's anything that Jesus has done in anybody's life across the whole face of the earth. All of that is the spirit of prophecy. Okay, what's prophecy? Prophecy is foretelling the future or, or even foretelling the future, causing the future. So anything that Jesus has done is a spirit of something he's going to do again. If he has done it once, he's going to do it again. It's that simple. Anything Jesus has done, he will do again. Any testimony, anything. We can claim it as our own. We can claim somebody else's healing for our life. We can claim the testimony of something we've read online, of something that Jesus did in Africa. We can claim that for my cousin. You can claim it for anybody. What Jesus has done before, he will do again. Charles Spurgeon uh, wrote this about 150 years ago. He said, The story of God's mighty acts are a declaration. When people hear about what God used to do, one of the things they used to say was, oh, that was a long time ago. But I thought it was God that did that. Has God changed? Is he not the same yesterday, today, and forever? Does that not argue to prove that what God has done, he's going to do again? I will push it a little farther and say that what he has done once is a prophecy of what he intends to do again. God has done, whatever God has done is to be looked upon as a precedent. Let us with earnestness seek that God would restore to us the faith of the men of old, that we may richly enjoy his grace like in the days of old. So what he's explaining here, he's making the connection between that of a legal case in a courtroom. And when there's a fresh case, they, they, uh, when, it, when it's been decided to fall in one, in one way, when they, when they lean towards one way and they judge it in that direction, then every case moving forward, they look back at that first case as a precedent that's been set and everything following has to go in the same direction. 
See, when God reveals his will in a situation or he provides that miracle that you're looking for, he does it because there has first been a precedent set that Jesus has done that before. So we are, 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 are credible witnesses and there's a legal precedent that's been set. So he's done it before, which means he has to do it again because there is a legal precedent that's been set in the word of God. Do you guys see that? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Really cool here, the, the, the word testimony in the Greek, um, I mean, we can probably understand that this is what it means, but it means to recall something or, uh, or to hear something, to be a witness of something. But awesome point here in the Hebrew, it actually means to repeat it or to do it again. So in the Greek, it means to hear it, but in the Hebrew, it means to do it. It means to repeat it. So when we hear the testimony, we are meant to repeat it. It is meant for something for us to do again, to participate in it, to be active in the testimony of Jesus. It's very simple because God's words cannot be separated from his works. You just can't separate it. An example of this, um, it really started for me a couple years ago. Um, Pastor Cameron had kidney stones. That was like two years ago. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, so we were in a small group there, and, uh, and as he was explaining the story of him being in the hospital, I got something just so fired up within me that I've never ever felt before and I haven't felt it again and it was just it had to be a supernatural gift of faith that just dropped on me in that second because I was so confident I was more confident in God healing those kidney stones than I was of the sun coming up the next morning like I knew that I knew that I knew that God was going to heal him and, and I, I just I was like okay we got to pray and so we all gathered around Cameron laid my hands on his kidneys and said like kidneys be gone in Jesus name and I think the pain the, kidneys are good kidneys are good I I take that back. Kidneys stay. Kidneys stay. Kidneys stay. 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 Kidneys. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, yes. Yes. I, power. Okay. All right. And so, and so the kidney, the pain went away, like right away, right? And, and within, he was supposed to pass, the doctor said within two weeks he was supposed to pass those stones. It's been two years and you still haven't seen a stone, right? So God, God immediately dissolved those kidneys, or the kidney stones. I gotta stop doing that. Stop it. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, oh my goodness. So fast forward to about six or eight months ago. Uh, I was at work and we did a call for a lady who had uh, like severe gallbladder pain and she was 10 on 10 screaming in pain and so we were starting to take her to the hospital I was in the back with her and I started chatting with her in between her screaming and just so it was just kind of small talk, small chatting with her uh, and I was like oh I noticed a for sale sign in front of your house like where are you moving to and she said Scotland I was like, oh, that's kind of random uh, what's in Scotland she says oh I just got a job as a priest yes <laughs> open door thank you Jesus and so I said can I pray for you and I don't even think she is one of, the, one of these people that believes that healing is for today. So I was like, God, you, you're going to blow her mind. This is going to be awesome. And so uh, I prayed for her. And within about two minutes, the pain went from a 10 on 10 down to a 5 on 10. I was like, hallelujah, God, you're good. And so we could talk a little bit more about what God had done previously. And I told her about the kidney stones. And then about five minutes before getting to the hospital, I said, okay, can I pray again? I want to see this gone. She's like, yeah, please. So laid hands on her, prayed again. And then by the time we got to the hospital, pain was down to one on 10 to the point where she didn't even go in and get a bed in the hospital. So I feel kind of bad because it cost her $45 to get to the hospital. <laughs> she didn't even do it. Like, it's a one-way trip, sorry. Fast forward again to about six weeks ago. Uh, Christine Wheeler gave me permission to share this story. Uh, she had uh, gallstones as well. She had two or three gallstones or something they found on ultrasound. And uh, I went into the hospital to pray for her, and 
uh, I was telling her the story about the stones, uh, Cameron's stones and, and this lady's stones, and I, and I explained how God had healed them. And I explained to her this teaching that the revelation or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And she was all fired up. She's like, get your hands on me and pray for me. Like, let's do this thing. Uh, and, and so I prayed for her. And then the next day when they went in to, to take the stones out, they couldn't find them because the stones were just vanished. God completely removed the stones. It was so awesome because the testimony, yeah, praise God. Because the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Uh, God desires that we would repeat uh, and live in the testimony, that we'd apply the testimony into our lives. Now, if it, I'm going to switch gears for a second here. Now, that lady in the ambulance, if that story ended with her pain going down to a 5 on 10, if it just ended there, how would we respond? Would we celebrate the fact that, that there was a miracle there? Would we still be thankful for what God was doing? Would we celebrate it as, as an amazing miracle, like the same, the same power that cured cancer? Right? The same power that heals cancer is the same power that brought her pain from a 10 down to a 5. Can we be thankful for that? Are we thankful for the headache that's healed? Are we thankful for the muscle pain that's gone? Or do we, do we, do we minimize that as just a small miracle? As just that, as a small miracle? Because I believe if we do that, then, then, then we, we kind of measure success and we put God into this box and, and this standard that he has to live up to. But any move of God is, cel- is worth celebrating. Any move of God is worth praising. Hallelujah. If 10 on 10 to 5 on 10, that is amazing. Praise Jesus. I guess you don't know until you're in that pain because gallbladders suck. Um, I shared last week that, that when we're trusted with a little, we'll be trusted with a lot. And, and everything is worth thanksgiving. Everything that God does is worthy of praise. And I believe that in a place of thanksgiving, thanksgiving it releases the miracle. I, I believe it brings things to the fullness of the miracle. Um, last week, uh, after talking about miracles, uh, we had the young adults over at a house that night, and, and Stuart had this, uh, it's like 8 on 10 back pain. And so we gathered around and prayed for him, and later on, uh, Morgan and I were, were chatting with him, and, and uh, his pain was at 3 on 10 at that point. We're like, sweet, that's awesome. And we prayed for him again, and, and nothing happened. And so we're like, okay, let's, let's shift gears here. Let's, let's thank God for what he's done. Let's thank God for what he's done. And so we, 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 we thank God, we praise God, and we bless what he was doing, and then the pain went down. In a place of thanksgiving, it releases the fullness of healing. In a place of thanksgiving, it releases the miraculous. Look at Jesus. Sorry, when I, when I say miracles, I tend to lean kind of towards the healing avenue of things. But miracles is a very wide range of things. Like a miracle can be a financial uh, blessing. It can be breakthrough in something. It can be a healing of a relationship. It can be, it can be a salvation. It can be a lot of different things. Like there's no, there's no cap on, on a miracle, okay? So just let me preface by saying that. Um, but through a place of thanksgiving, miracles flourish, okay? Look at Jesus when he had the loaves and the fish. What did he do? He lifted up and he said, thank you, God. And what happened? There's a miracle of multiplication, and they fed thousands and had leftovers. Okay, look at um, in uh, John chapter 11, Jesus uh, raising Lazarus from the, from the dead. How does that story start? John eleven forty one 41 says, Father, thank you that you've heard my prayer. Thank you. He was in a place of thankfulness. He had a spirit of thankfulness. What happens? Two verses later, he says, Lazarus, come out. And his old, stinky, four-day-old dead body comes out of the tomb. And then verse 45 says, From that day forward, Many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in him, for they had seen with their own eyes this amazing miracle. So we start with a place of thankfulness. We're in a spirit of thanksgiving. It breaks loose a miracle, and then it breaks loose salvation. It's all connected. When we focus on the testimony of Jesus uh, and, and the things of heaven, 
that, that, that heaven wants to accomplish on earth. It stirs something within us. Yeah. Stirs up our faith. When we, were in, um, when we were in Haiti a couple years ago, we spent three months down there. And, and at the dinner table, we, we, all we do is just soak in the testimony of Jesus. We just soak in what God was doing. There were missionaries from around the world that were coming and pastors and stuff. And all we did was talk about what Jesus was doing in their city, what he was doing at their church, and, and, and the healings and the miracles and the prophecies and, 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 and the salvations, all these different things. We were just soaking in the testimony of what God was doing. And it, and it filled us up with such faith. We, we came back home. We were like, oh, let's kill, kill the devil right here. Let's, let's just do the impossible. Like, we were just so fired up in what God was doing because we surrounded ourselves in the testimony of of what Jesus was doing. It, it builds momentum in our life. Psalm 105 verse 5 says, remember the wonders he has done. Remember his miracles. Psalm 77 verse 11 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. This is so awesome. It blew me away when I saw this. I love the Greek. I'm sorry. Greek's awesome. It just, it's good. Anyway, so the word remember in Greek means this. means to put forth and when you break it down even further, it's, it actually says the word apply. The word remember means to apply. When we remember the miracles of what Jesus has done, when we remember the testimonies, we are built to apply those. That's to be a part of our life. It's a lifestyle. I want to challenge you this morning that if you want to see more of the miracles of God, if you want to see more breakthrough, Soak yourself in the testimony of what Jesus is doing. Because what he's done once, he wants to do again. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Okay? Isaiah 55, 11, God's word does not return void. He's done it once, he'll do it again. It's his nature. It's who he is. And every time we share a testimony of what Jesus is doing, we're, we're releasing uh, uh, the nature of God. We're, we're sharing the nature of God and who he is. I've been, I've been blown away by reading the testimonies of what God is doing. I love hearing stories of what God's doing. And, you know, around the world, I shared last week all the, all the crazy stuff that's happened in the Middle East and in Africa and, and the explosion of what the Spirit of God's doing. But you look at, at all the miracles. There's, there's blind that, are, that can see. There's, there's uh, people that, are, that have been in wheelchairs for decades that are up and walking around now because they just throw them off because God's healed them. And, and people with, with tumors on their, on their bodies and they just shrivel up right before their very eyes. And, and I read a story recently about a guy who had a tumor literally wrapped around his brain stem and then his church prayed for him and when they went to, they, they cut him open, the, the tumor literally unraveled and popped out of his body. Like, you, you can't put a limit on the stuff that God is doing. That doesn't even make sense. It's so awesome. If we want to see that stuff in our lives, if we want to see God move in the miraculous, I believe we need to soak ourselves and marinate in the testimony of what God's doing. You can never be discouraged when you listen to the testimony. Like I'm just fired up when I hear that stuff. When we hear the stories, there is a releasing of an anointing of prophecy. And, it, and we're basically declaring, hey, this is our God. This is who he is. And this is what he's going to do. Every Friday night, we started doing this with the youth. I'll stand up in the front and I'll read a testimony of something that God's doing in the world today. Some crazy miracle, some crazy healing that God's doing. And, and, and it, gets, it gets them so fired up. We've created this culture now in which the miracles are expected. And, and they get so fired up. They get goosebumps in every little story. You know, recently we shared a story. Are you guys okay if I share a story? I love sharing stories. Like, it, it reveals who God is. I just love and just giving glory to God for the stuff he does. Okay? You know, I feel like there's, there's a, a, a miraculous train going by here. And God's doing all these amazing things. And we see God doing these amazing things. But, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want to see that train go by. I'm hopping on this train and I'm, I'm getting in all of what God's doing. I want to be a part of the miraculous culture that God's doing in this church. I don't want to miss it. But I want... 
come with me. Come with me. I want to see the miraculous of God, and, and I'm not missing it. This train's going by, and I'm hopping on. Oh, God is so good. Oh, yeah, I was going to share a story. Um, oh, yeah, we shared a story last week about, about this lady. I think she's like a Christian music artist. And she had these, uh, she, they're, her and her husband are trying to have a baby. And, and she had all these tumors in her uterus. And they found on the ultrasound, just filled with, with tumors. And, and so they had done this ultrasound, and, and they went in the next day. Uh, they are going to do a hysterectomy to remove uh, the uterus. And the church had prayed and all this stuff. And so they went, when they went in, they did an ultrasound just before. And not only were the tumors were gone, but it was replaced with a baby. Whoa. Death. God literally brought death, turned death to life. Right there. Just like that. Wow. I want to be a part of that. Come on. Yes. Oh. Oh, <laughs> So because we've created this culture of the miraculous, we were at a conference uh, a couple weeks ago and, and Mia was sitting uh, two chairs down for me and we're in the morning service and she looked over, she's like, hey, like, do you have a, I got a really bad headache, do you have Tylenol or Advil or something? I was like, oh, sorry, like I got nothing, but I got Jesus, can I give you some Jesus? And she's like, yeah, okay. And so literally I, 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 <laughs> I put my hand on her shoulder. All I did was said, Jesus. And you should have seen her eyes. Her eyes went from grapes to grapefruit. She's like, what just happened? Because <laughs> the miracle just went like that. It just, something clicked. It's just the whisper of his name, right? That's all it takes. At just the mention of his name, the miracles flow, right? Okay, so, so that happened, okay? The, the headache was healed, okay? Later on in that day, there was a, the, they got connected with some other churches, and there was a church from Ottawa. And there was this girl who had a migraine, and she locked herself in the room and was on the floor. She couldn't get up. And, and so uh, a couple of our girls, they, they had seen what had happened. They, they witnessed what happened. They remembered the testimony. And they went, and they laid hands on the door, and they prayed on the door. <sighs> God is awesome. And, and, and 15 minutes later, this girl was up running around playing games. Okay? Because they had soaked themselves in the testimony of what, the, of what God did. They saw with their eyes what God has done, and it built up their faith and said, well, if God did it then, then he must be able to do it now. Come on, when we remember the testimony of what Jesus has done, it is the spirit, it releases a spirit of prophecy and say, hey, God's done it once, he's got to do it again. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I loved what we did in that Once Upon a Time series in the fall. Oh my goodness, starting every service with a testimony of Jesus. Didn't you just get fired up from that? I'm still shaking from when Chris came up here and was given. oh my goodness, that was good. But it is so powerful. We, we, Revelation 12:11 says we defeat the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We need to live in the testimony because what he's done before, he's going to do it again. Remember the testimony, number three. Point number four is recite the testimony. I like the testimony. When we keep it at the forefront of our mind and we keep it at the height of every conversation, then the testimony becomes a part of our lifestyle. But the less that we talk about the miraculous of God, then the less expectations that we have of God. The less expectations we have, the less likely we are to step out and minister and pray for someone's healing, right? The less we're, we step out and pray for someone, the less miracles we're going to see. The less miracles we see, the less we're going to talk about miracles. And it's this downward spiral until we get to a place of no faith eventually, right? But it starts with that step of faith. Acts chapter 4 verse 20 says, It's impossible for us to stop talking about all the things we've seen and heard. It's impossible. I can't hold it in. 
they had to talk about the things of God. They surrounded themselves by Jesus. See, they were around him 24-7, and, and they, they had a lifestyle that resembled the miraculous because they saw it and they kept recalling it. They kept talking about the miracles of God. Paul said that we should be thinking and speaking about it constantly. Philippians 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, whatever is pure, lovely, and is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, we should think about those things. We should think about all the good things that God is doing. We should have it at the forefront of our mind at all times because what, what we eventually, what we fill ourselves with will eventually come out. Philippians 4.9, the very next verse says, go put into practice that which you've known that God has done. Right? We're not meant to hold on to it. We're going to go put it in practice. Remember, the word remember means to apply. We're to apply the things that God has done. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind or think about the things from above and not of heavenly things. He understood the influence of one's thought life and that whatever we soak our thoughts with, whatever we fill our mind with, we eventually repeat. We eventually manifest that. Romans 15.4 says, whatever was written beforehand is meant to instruct us in how to live. The scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so that we can live in hope and endure all things. You know, often we get so discouraged in the world. We get so discouraged by the stuff that's going on around the world. You know, when we, when we watch the news or, or when we turn on Facebook or whatever, like we see all the bad stuff that's going on and it gets us so discouraged. But if we turn to the testimony of Jesus, it'll radically change our life. It'll radically change your life. If we move, our, if we, if we move from, from starting each morning with, with, with Facebook to moving our face and putting it in the book, then I believe it'll radically change everything. Recite the things that God is doing. You want to know how to encourage yourself? If you're suffering from, from, from anxiety or depression or whatever, like recite the testimony of what God's doing and fill yourself with the things that God is doing because it'll completely change your life. Sometimes we can get discouraged when we don't see breakthrough in an area, but if you shift your focus, if, you're, if, if there's an area that you're suffering in, look up testimonies of that. Look up what God's done. And recite it. Have it as a part of your conversation, and God will do it again. Uh, I want to share another story with you, just, um, just to take the lid off of what you think that God can do. Because the power of the testimony is so good. This is a story um, that I heard recently. It says, there's a young man at a conference in which the speaker gave a word of knowledge for a woman with a hip injury that God wanted to heal. Several people got up and received healing. This young man got so excited because he thought it was also for his aunt, who was at home with a hip injury and could only get around on crutches. He decided to text her and claim her healing through that word of knowledge, even though it appeared to be for other people. She had already shut her phone off for the night and was in bed asleep. The next morning when she woke up, she got out of bed and walked to the bathroom on her own without assistance, not even realizing she'd been healed until she got back to her bedroom and saw the crutches. Her and her husband had gone out for breakfast in celebration, and after eating, she finally turned on her phone and read the text. No one laid hands on her. No one prayed for her. They claimed the testimony of Jesus for someone else. Whoa. Goosebumps? Yeah. Change the way you think. I shared last week. Change the way you think about how God wants to move. Acts 4.33 says the apostles gave powerful testimonies about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great measures of grace rested upon them. Okay. The apostles recited the testimonies of Jesus. 
It says here that they, they talked about the, the resurrection of Jesus, which is by far the, the biggest miracle that ever existed in the history of the world, okay? But they talked about the miracles of God, all right? Now, what was the result of them talking about the miracles of God? Great grace rested upon them. Not just average grace, great grace, okay? Now, what is grace? Grace, I shared a message last summer about what grace is. When you break grace down, it is so much more than the forgiveness of sins, Grace actually encompasses God's power. It is God's super that comes onto our natural. That's really what grace is when you break it down. Our, our supernatural ability to do anything in, in the name of Jesus. That's what God's grace is. God's grace includes his power, which we learned last week is the dunamis of God, which includes miracles. So, let me sum up. These guys shared the testimony of Jesus. They recited the testimony of Jesus. Because of that, great grace came upon them. What does that mean? They walked in the miraculous. It's like a, a, a ladder going upwards, okay? They start on the ground floor of, of faith, and they take one step of faith, okay? What happens when they take that step of faith? They see a miracle. They see a miracle. What happens next? They recite the testimony. They share it with somebody else. What happens from that? Grace. Great grace comes upon them. Not average grace. Great amounts of grace comes upon them. What happens in that? It stirs up the miracle. It stirs up the boldness. They take a step of boldness. They take another step of faith. They walk in the miraculous. They, they see another miracle. They share the testimony. It releases great grace. And it goes on and on and on. And it's like a conga train. Can we get going on this? This is awesome. I want to be a part of this. They spoke continually about the acts of Christ. And they applied it. And it led to more miracles. If we want to see more miracles, we need to camp in the testimony of what God's doing. One last point on this. Psalm 119.11 says, Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. That word testimony is broken down actually means our possession or our inheritance. So the testimony is my inheritance. That is mine. I have authority to say what he did is mine. Amen. Everything that happened in history, we can claim as ours today. There has been a legal precedent that's been set. And if we dive deeper into the testimony of Jesus, it stirs everything up because every story reveals the nature of God. It reveals who he is. And it reveals that he wants to do everything again. It also comes with an invitation for a personal encounter. We can never have too much of the testimony. And when we soak ourselves in it, it'll change our view of what God wants to do in the world. Reciting the testimony is prophesying God's goodness into a situation. So that's point number four is reciting the testimony. Number five is ready yourself and remove hindrances. Every corporate change requires individual adjustment. And there's an invitation for all of us to be part of that change and to raise our expectation for what the Spirit of God wants to do. And to know that God's going to move not just on Sunday mornings, but he's going to move on Monday and Tuesday and all the way to Saturday. But as we align ourselves with God, as we align our lives with what God wants to do, it takes us to another level. But sometimes it first takes that uncomfortable step. It takes that uncomfortable step to go and pray for somebody. It takes that uncomfortable step. Like I literally risk my job every time I pray for somebody. But I don't care because I know God's protecting me. But it takes that uncomfortable step. And, 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 you know, I'm starting to fall in love with that uncomfortable step. Last week I shared the, the principle of the sweaty palms, that the sweatier the palm, the bigger the miracle, um, that amazing things happen when we take that uncomfortable step. Um, like, how many people here are here because somebody else took an uncomfortable step by saying, hey, have you met Jesus? Right? 
Somebody's taken an uncomfortable step for you to be here this morning. And how much joy do you have because you're here this morning? Think about how uh, Peter felt when he stepped off the side of the boat. You think there's a little bit of uncomfortableness in the middle of the sea? Like, seriously? But he took a step that was super uncomfortable, and look what happened. He became a vessel for the impossible to flow through him. Why did it happen? Because he aligned himself with Jesus. He focused himself on Jesus and on nothing else. He didn't, he didn't say, oh, there must be a formula of if I hop and I skip and I jump, then I must be able to walk on water. No, he aligned himself with what Jesus was doing. And, and, and if I can suggest to you this morning that, that when, when it comes to healing, it isn't, it isn't the strength of our prayer or the passion behind our prayer, or if we quote the right amount of verses, it's going to bring about a healing. No, it's the, the magnitude of your connection with God the Father that brings about the healing. Healing comes through perfect alignment with the Father and nothing else. When we align ourselves with what he wants to do and align our lives and cast everything off, right? We're, we're supposed to throw all the hindrances off and run this race with endurance, okay? When we cast all that stuff off, when we align ourselves with what he wants to do, the miraculous flows. I kind of uh, picture it like this, like a, like a space shuttle, okay? It, it's, it's made of millions and millions of, of tiny little intricate pieces, all right? And, and I don't even know all that stuff, but... but no one person can, can fathom what, what goes on in building a spaceship. But when, when all those pieces are, align, are aligned and, and doing as they're functioning as they're designed to do, then, then that spaceship's going to take off and it's going to reach the heavens. But the same is very true with us, that when we align ourselves and we start functioning in the grace of God, functioning in the purpose that God has for us, and, and, and casting off all the hindrances and aligning ourselves to Jesus, then we too are going to reach the heavens and the glory of God comes down to earth. John 15 is uh, the parable of the vine and the branches. And Jesus talks about the importance of staying connected to the vine. Verse 7, uh, if you abide in me or align yourself with me, stay connected to me and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you'll be my disciples. Now it's easy for us to focus on, on the part of that verse that says um, that, that it'll be done for us. Whatever we desire, it'll be done for us. But that's not the purpose of that verse. The purpose is that uh, the, the connection of Jesus is the most important part and when, and when we're connected to Jesus then the fruit and the miraculous just come naturally okay the fruit and the miraculous is not a result of effort but it's a result of our connection with Jesus you know another catalyst to readying ourselves includes remaining hungry I shared a little bit last week but I want to go a bit further but uh, there's so much importance in remaining hungry after the things of God and, and after God himself and, uh, and Jesus is attracted to hunger Jesus actually chases after people who are hungry okay there's a, a story in uh, Luke chapter 19 uh, it says Zacchaeus it's talking about Zacchaeus who's a, um, who's a tax collector and I'll start in verse I think it's verse 1 it says Zacchaeus was a very short man and couldn't see over the heads of the people Let's just pause there for a second. So this poor guy, in, in all of history, he is known as a short guy. Do you guys see that? That's not very nice. That's not fair. I, like everybody in history, like, hey, where's Zacchaeus? Oh, you mean this guy? Like the guy that's like this eye? Yeah, that guy? Okay. Like that's just not fair. Anyways, moving on. Uh, so he ran ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to that place, he looked, down, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down, for I am appointed to stay at your house. I need to stay with you. Because he saw in Zacchaeus, he saw the hunger in his spirit. Jesus was surrounded by onlookers. There were onlookers all around looking at what Jesus was doing. But there was one guy who ran ahead and climbed a tree just so he could see the face of Jesus and cry out to Jesus. And because of that, he says, I need to stay with you. Jesus responds, I need to inhabit your very house today. 
come on, I don't want to be an onlooker of what Jesus is doing, but I want to be a part of it. And I want to have that hunger stir myself closer to God so Jesus says, hey, you, I want to inhabit your very being. It's hunger that's going to get us closer to God. And part of hunger includes searching the depths of his heart and increasing our knowledge of who he is, growing deeper in him. Second Peter 1 verse 3 says, for all of this was lavished upon us. Now all of this is including everything that's encompassed in the kingdom life, all right, including the miraculous. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him, through our knowledge of him, who has called us by name and invited us to come through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. See, we have access and privilege to participate in God's divine power in life through knowledge of him. Through, and knowledge is so much more than understanding. It's not just understanding him, but I love the way the message defines it. It says, getting to know him personally and intimately. If I can suggest to you that if we're, continually, if we're not continually hungering after intimacy with God, then we may miss out on seeing the divine power function in our lives. Look closely at the middle part of the verse. It says he's calling by name, and he's inviting you to this miraculous lifestyle. He's calling you by name. He's saying, come be a part of this kingdom lifestyle. Okay, there, he, he's, he's looking for an RSVP to activate the kingdom here on earth. How are you going to respond? It involves readying ourselves for God to use us. Point number six is rehearse the tongue. I think the biggest shift in culture in our church is going to come when we live and breathe and walk and talk in the Spirit. In my life, some of the greatest moves of God have come after, after or during speaking in tongues. Just amazing things happen during that, that period of time. And I believe, in, and I'll explain in a minute, why it's so important for us to be speaking in the Spirit at all times and how that opens the door for what God wants to do here on, here on earth. Okay, uh, Paul, Paul almost bragged about it. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14, 18, he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than y'all. He even threw a little southern drawl in there. He said, y'all. Contrary to what Cameron's belief is in country music, I think it's biblical. <laughs> just saying, just saying. I want to shed some light on why we value as a, as a church, why we value the importance of speaking in tongues. And, and first of all, it brings us to a whole new level and it increases our boldness. It gives us, gets us so fired up for what God wants to do. And, and I couldn't do anything I do today without starting my day speaking in tongues. But it, it reveals God's vision and, it, and he shares his plan with us through the speaking in tongues. Um, and it's actually something that we should desire. Paul said that we should desire it. He, said he wished it in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, he says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. It's biblical. He wants us to do it. It's something we should desire within us. Jude 20 references it. It says, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray in, in, the, in the breakthrough of tongues. And the greatest breakthrough we see um, in tongues, I, I, I've seen, uh, follows this next thing that I learned. Um, it is so, so good. Um, I, I never saw the value of speaking in tongues. I really didn't get it until I saw this, this, these verses. So follow along with me here for a sec. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. It says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, but speaks to God. Indeed, no one understands them because they utter mysteries in the Spirit. So if, if we, if no one understands us, okay, why bother, right? First of all, Come on. But we're not speaking to man. We're not speaking to each other. We're speaking to God when we do it. And this is the cool part here. It says, no one understands us, right? Because they utter mysteries in the spirit. Mysteries in the spirit. Now, what is a mystery in the spirit? A couple of verses later in 
chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. It says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery. It has been hidden, and God is destined. It's really uh, for our glory before time. God's wisdom is a mystery. A mystery is God's wisdom. Do you see that? What did that verse say before that? Indeed, no one understands them, but they utter mysteries in the spirit. When you utter mysteries, you are uttering God's wisdom. Okay, I'll take it one step further. Vine's uh, dictionary, Vine's Bible dictionary says this. If you can throw the next slide up there. The next one. This is how the biblical dictionary defines what a mystery is. It says that which being outside the range of unassisted natural apprehension. Something that we can't comprehend on our own. Something that is outside of our earthly knowledge. And it can be made known only by divine revelation. Something only God can teach you. And it's been made known in a manner of time that's appointed by God. Do you see this? Let's plug that back into the first verse. When we speak in tongues, we speak a mystery. What is a mystery? God's wisdom. We're speaking what God wants to speak in a situation. When we speak in tongues, we speak a divine revelation of what it is that God wants to reveal into a situation. You know what that is? That's prophecy. When you are speaking in tongues, you are prophesying exactly what God wants to speak into a situation. That's exactly what you're doing when you speak in tongues. I want to give you a biblical example here. 1 Corinthians 14, 18 says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than y'all, right? We, we learned that. This is Paul that wrote this, right? He is declaring that he spoke in tongues more than anybody else in the history of the, of the world, right? I, spoke in, I speak in tongues more than anybody else. Who wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else in the history of time? Who wrote more books of the Bible than anybody else? Paul. Could it be that because he spoke in tongues more than anybody else, God revealed more wisdom to him than anybody else in the history of time? Whoa. God reveals amazing things, and he answers all of our questions when we speak in tongues. I can't tell you how many times I've misplaced my car keys and spoken in the Spirit, and God reveals exactly where they are. I kid you not. I, I go from a place of frantically looking around trying to find my keys. I can't find my keys. And then because in my natural wisdom, I'm trying to figure out in my natural mind where I left the keys. And then I stop. I'm like, hey, Scott, you're smarter than this. Stop, and you speak in tongues. And then I shun die myself into figuring out where the keys are. And I seriously, I speak in tongues for like 10 seconds. And the Holy Spirit's like, hey, you left them in the car. Or, hey, it's in your back pocket. Or maybe they're in your, key, in, in your pocket there, ding dong. Like, it's just, they're everywhere. That ding dong was real. He's, he's nice. Holy Spirit's really nice to me. But like any question we have, he answers. Right? You've got questions, he's got answers. It's like Radio Shack. The Holy Spirit is Radio Shack for your life. Amen. God is calling us to a new culture as a church where 
where speaking in tongues is a norm, and it's an, he's calling us to an unashamed place of speaking in tongues and declaring God's wisdom into a situation. You know, it should, it should almost be reactionary. Like, I do it on my drive to work. I do it in the shower. I, do, I, I speak in tongues when I'm doing whatever. Like, it, it becomes part of my lifestyle, and, and it's almost like it's subconscious. In fact, it actually is subconscious. Okay, this is really cool. They did a study uh, a couple years ago, and they took people, some, one person from every single religion in the world, and they did a brain scan of that person when they prayed in their, their native language or their, their, their religious whatever. Uh, and so the, the Christian was speaking in tongues, when they put them through the, the machine and they scanned their head and they looked at all the brain waves, they compared every single religion and the, the one with the Christian had absolutely no activity in the brain while they were speaking in tongues. Why? Because when you speak in tongues, it's not coming from your mouth. It's not coming from your heart. It's actually coming, or it's not coming from your mind. It's actually coming from your spirit. When you speak in tongues, it doesn't come from your mind. It's from within. It's from your spirit. You speak God's wisdom. Right? There's, uh, I've heard a couple stories of someone, uh, people who have had strokes, and they, they, it's affected the, the, the speech center in their brain, and so they can't speak. Right? That's, that's a common thing with some people who have had strokes. And these people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden they start speaking in tongues. They can't speak in any other language. They speak in tongues. But the stroke has affected the, the, the speech center in their brain because they're not speaking from their, mi- the, their mind. They're speaking from their spirit. God reveals things. Why, why is this so important? It's because God reveals things. God reveals other people's hurts to you sometimes when you speak in tongues. God reveals his vision and his plans and what he wants to do for you throughout the day when you speak in tongues. You know, was a couple months ago, um, uh, I was ushering. I was sitting in the back, and, and Margaret was, uh, I, I was looking around, and I, and I saw Margaret, and, and God said, I, I want to heal her. She's got back pain. I said, okay, yeah, let's do this. And so I went over and laid hands on her, and, and she went from, like, the tin man, to, like, doing this, to, like, a wacky inflatable tube man. Like, she was able to do, like, everything in this. In the, okay. Like, God healed her. God touched her in that moment. Why? Because God revealed to me in my spirit, because I, I, I make a lifestyle of speaking in tongues, and, and because he revealed that, that to me. He shared that. Did you, did you know that God doesn't do anything without telling us first? He doesn't tell you. Tell he. He doesn't do anything unless we, he tells us. Amos 3 verse 7 says, For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. He doesn't do anything. He has to tell somebody he's going to do it first. So if we're not speaking in the spirit, if we're, not, if we're not making tongues a lifestyle, then we're not receiving the wisdom of God, and he's not going to be able to tell us to go and heal somebody. But when we start doing that stuff, he, he reveals to you that, hey, I want to go heal, heal that person. And if he trusts you enough to tell you, don't you think he's going to trust you enough to bring about the fullness of healing to somebody? Absolutely. Um, I think I, I may have shared this story before, but... Um, at work, like, every time I'm on my way to a call, an emergency call, I speak in tongues, just under my breath, whatever. Um, and it, God reveals kind of what's he want, what's, what he wants to do when I'm in the call. And I was working on my own one day, and there was this guy who had leg pain, like a 50-year-old with leg pain, and he was perfectly healthy, nothing wrong with him, but he had leg pain. And I was like, okay, whatever. I was waiting for the other ambulance to come, and I... And I the Spirit of God just downloaded on me. He says, do this test. And there's a test that we do that's very rare, but we... Do, we uh, when people have a heart attack, we, we, or we think that they're having chest pain or a heart attack or something, we, we put stickers on their chest. It's called a 12 lead. And the Spirit of God told me, he said, he said do a 12 lead. I was like, okay. This guy has leg pain. There's no reason for me to do this test. And when I did this test, the, the machine told me, this guy's having a heart attack. There's no reason for me to do the test. The only reason I did the test is because the Spirit of God told me to do it. This guy would have died had I not done that test. Why? Because the Spirit of God revealed through speaking in tongues 
that he wanted to heal that guy. And God brought about the healing of that guy. That guy would have died. He didn't get healed through laying out of hands or anything, but he got healed through, it changes the way we treat him and we give him medications and stuff. Cool. Cool. All right. Apparently I'm the only one excited about that. What I'm trying to say is there's a certain release uh, in the spirit when we, when we speak in tongues. And, and I'd encourage you, those, those who do, to, to do it more. And if, and if you've never spoken in tongues before, like we'll pray for yourself and we'll see God move and we'll, we'll see that release. Because amazing things happen when, when we do that. It is a direct line to Jesus. It, 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 it gives us a Holy Spirit boldness that we just can't compare to anything else. And it's so awesome. And, and it, it refreshes us in spiritual warfare. It gives us spiritual strength. Um, and, and I want to go on to my last point here. So, uh, Rekindle the fear of the Lord. Okay, Rekindle the fear of the Lord. This is the last one. Uh, this leads to the miraculous. When we live in a place of the fear of the Lord, it releases the miraculous, I believe. In Acts chapter 5, learn about the, one of the craziest stories in the Bible. Um, Ananias and Sapphira, they, have, uh, they sold a piece of land and they were going to bring the money uh, to the church, but they lied about how much they brought. Okay, And so Ananias comes up and he says, oh, here's all the money. And he's like, did you lie to me? And he's like, uh, no. And so he drops dead. <laughs> okay. And then his, his wife comes up three hours later and same thing. Uh, here's all the money. Did you lie to me? Yes or no, whatever. And she drops dead too. Like, whoa. So because the, the, the presence of God was so heavy in that place, any kind of disobedience was met with immediate judgment. And that's why all that happened. Um, but anyway, so there's, there's a what happened from that? There's a, a stirring of the fear of the Lord. And now, when I say fear of the Lord, I don't mean being afraid of God, okay? It's a totally different thing. It's, it's understanding the holiness of God. Like, we get into a place where we're like, oh, God, you are so awesome. You're so holy. You're so mighty, so worthy of praise, and, and all authority is yours. It's not a place of being afraid of God, okay? And so verse 11 says, the entire church was seized with a powerful sense of the fear of God, which came over all who heard what had happened. So word started spreading like wildfire, what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. And, and everybody was filled with this fear of the Lord, like, whoa, God is so holy. And then look what happens next. Verse 12 says, the apostles performed many signs, wonders, and miracles among the people. And the believers were wonderfully united. The fear of the Lord led to a miracle, led to a place of signs and wonders and miracles. And the next couple of verses talk about um, how people would just walk, or Peter would just walk and people behind him would get healed, like crazy stuff. Um, but when there's a place of holy and reverent fear of, of God and, and knowing who he is and respecting who he is, I believe that it releases the miraculous in our life. When, that, when the fear of the Lord becomes part of our lifestyle. But on the flip side of that, when we treat God as common man, when we look to him and, and treat him as a common man, then I believe in our lives, then we start... We stay as common man. But when we live in a place of fear of the Lord and we honor God, we respect God, and we're like, oh, God, you're so good, and treat him as the mighty king that he is, then I believe that he, he responds by honoring us and elevating us to the next level and walking in the supernatural. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 